It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you from COG Studios Studios on a wonderful Monday, March 2nd, after an LA Galaxy 1-1 draw against the Houston Dynamo to kick off their 2020 season. A point earned, maybe a, a wonderful point earned, maybe a perfectly acceptable point earned, maybe a horrible point earned. All those things I'm sure we can discuss as we'll talk about that game, get into some of those details. But... Uh, we're also going to have some LA Galaxy alumni news. There's a new retirement. We're going to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. Why not? That's uh, certainly hitting all of the uh, corners of the earth, and I'm sure it could possibly affect the LA Galaxy and MLS soccer as well, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and to help me do all of that, uh, he's back with us one more time. Uh, he was with the LA Galaxy as they traveled to Houston. Uh, please welcome back to the show the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? All right, the flight back from Houston was great. I just got back, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I was going to say, you have to hold up that plane all by yourself? That's right. That's... I'll, be, I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, uh, I guess an opening weekend. All 13 teams in uh, in action here, Kevin, for, um, for the LA Galaxy, for Major League Soccer, all those fun things. Um, it, it was a, it was a busy week and the LA galaxy certainly get through that. They traveled to Houston. You were, you were on that flight though. I, I think we have to start at the, at the perfect spot at the beginning, your flight over there, because I know you've covered teams before. I know we've talked about covering teams before, and I know that there's been different ways that the teams travel throughout the years. So I have to ask how, uh, how your experience was there, uh, traveling with the LA galaxy. Well, as you know, that MLS, the player, the, the, um, the CBA now allows MLS teams to use eight charters a season. And the Galaxy were thinking about using a charter for this flight because it's almost four hours, or at least that's the scheduled time. We weren't in the air four hours. So they thought about using it for um, the first game of the season. Did not. Flew at commercial. Flew on United, direct flight. Um, part of the deal, and it's not necessarily something the Galaxy asked me to agree to, but when they when, when it's a special situation like this, uh, I went on Zalatan's first uh, road trip. I wanted to go on Chicharitos just to see how he's met in the airport and 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 sort of what all the the stuff that happens around the team was. So basically, the Galaxy tell me what flight they're on. It's a commercial flight, and there's a lot of other people on it. I buy a ticket on that flight, and uh, then they tell me what hotel they're at. It's a hotel anyone can book a reservation to. I book a room there, and then for most of the rest of the time, I just kind of I'm a fly on the wall. It's not like I sit down in the boarding area and talk to anybody or sit down, you know, I, or talk to anybody on the plane. I just sort of observe. And what I observed on this one, Chicharito sat in first class. He had the, the, the last aisle seat in first class, sat next to uh, Sasha Clenchen, and in front of them was People Gonzalez. <clears throat> I don't know where Pavone may also have been in first class. I didn't see him. I didn't see Guillermo get on the plane. They may have been in first class as well. The Galaxy told me that they determine who gets first class based on seniority, which would explain why Sasha was there. doesn't explain why Chicharito's there, because since he had never played an MLS game, he had zero seniority, but <laughs> he was definitely in first class. In the Everybody on the Galaxy team, I don't know, where Bruce Arena told players not to wear any Galaxy gear in the airport. Uh, on this road trip, everybody was wearing the Galaxy tracksuit, Galaxy polo shirt, uh, Chicharito had on a hoodie, Galaxy hoodie. So it was clear the LA Galaxy were in, were, were going to be on this plane. 
Um, when Chicharito came through security, he was approached immediately by a couple of fans who kind of pushed him up against a pillar and posed for selfies. Uh, same thing happened. In, and when he got off the plane in Houston, he was greeted by two uniformed Houston police officers. And there was also a, a Galaxy uh, security guard that was on the flight that followed Chicharito around. The, the security guards met him when he came off the plane. Um, the Galaxy determined ahead of time that they would wait for everybody to get off the plane and they would walk to the baggage carousel and get on the bus together. So Chicharito in first class had to wait for David Bingham, who was sitting in the middle seat in the last row. We had to wait for him to get off. So it took a while, and these two police officers waited in front. Uh, a lot of airport workers came up and posed for selfies and and just said hello to Chicharito. The officers did not stop them. Uh, Chicharito did not mind it. Very, it's a very practiced smile. He was leaning against the wall, looking at his cell phone, and as the people would come up, they'd say, "Can you know, can I take a selfie?" And he would say yes, and he he'd put on this smile, and then as soon as this can as soon as the phone clicked, then he would then the, he'd go back to his cell phone. So he's this wasn't his first rodeo, right. so he was used to that. Uh, then they all walked to the team bus, uh, got on the team bus. I got in the taxi and raced the bus to the hotel. I wanted to get there first, and I beat them. It, it was a photo finish. <laughs> when they got there, there were some fans waiting, but the team just, I mean, they, they literally sprinted off the bus into a side door where there was a number of security workers from the hotel. They went through a side door um, and and were gone, and, and we never saw any players again. I went to the to the uh, hotel gym on Saturday morning and saw it. It was like a galaxy executive meeting. Um, <laughs> everybody was in there. Chris Klein, you know, Brendan Hannon, the, the communication director. Uh, uh, there were just, just a ton of galaxy people in the gym. Great to see them all working out. Uh, Valde Cantos was also there and he rode a bicycle for a little while, but I think he was looking for victims. Anybody who looked like they needed a really hard workout, I think he was looking for them. I was going to say, you got a, I, I didn't know if you maybe you got a special Javier workout. Did he see you like walking on the treadmill and come over and start yelling at you? I He did. He seemed to work with Brendan Hannon a little bit. I left Chris Klein alone. Chris Klein stayed on the, he was on a, a Peloton and, and he uh, put the headphones on and no one bothered him. But uh, Javier seemed to be working out with Brendan a little bit. So I, maybe we'll see Brendan you know, ready for the end of the season. Well, hey, you know, I know that uh, that a rash of injuries did hit the communications department last year. Uh, so ACLs and I think maybe some MCLs aplenty in there. So I think Hannon's one of those guys. So he's on he's on the recovery mode. But it's kind of uh, kind of fun to see everybody at the hotel. And then, of course, there was the panda in there uh, doing his panda workouts as well. Right. Yeah, well, everybody was totally intimidated once I showed up. And <laughs> they started filtering out. By the way, it was also Go Texan Day with the rodeo. Speaking of Chicharito's first rodeo, literally there was his first rodeo in Houston. It was rodeo day and barbecue and and, and the Houston Marathon. It was a huge, uh, a huge eventful day. Yeah. in Houston on Saturday with the soccer game mixed in. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Well, let's get to the soccer game. Uh, the LA Galaxy 1-1 draw with the Houston Dynamo. Um, I, I, I don't know why anybody's surprised the Galaxy sort of played the way they did. It's sort of the way they've been playing in, in preseason. Uh, still a lot of things missing. You're not getting a whole bunch of chemistry. Uh, you're not getting you know the, the pretty buildups, and you're not getting the, the dominant possession. And if you look at this, they were never going to have dominant possession. Uh, the LA Galaxy have been setting up now for the last couple of years in my mind Kevin as a counter-attacking team um, and whenever you do that on the road especially 
that means you're going to invite the pressure. You're going to invite all those things that you sort of have. So the 60-40 split on possession wasn't really surprising. Uh, you had another wonder goal by Christian Pavone, who uh, I think, if we're, if we're being serious, is already in, in talks about uh, being a potential MVP candidate. He probably was before the season even started. Uh, but the goal that he hit um, is certainly something special again. Um, and so you're seeing him just sort of blossom. And he's going to be you know, the guy who's probably going to have to lift this team on his back as much as he possibly can. Um, so you saw that. You saw Chicharito not get a goal, Kevin, which I know has some people panicking about. Um, you saw a, an offense, again, that that stuttered. You saw an Alexander Katai that only went 58 minutes. Uh, you saw a defense that was under siege for a lot of this game, but uh, ended up only giving up one goal, which, by the way, if they were on pace right now, would give up 34 goals, Kevin, and be a huge improvement over the 59 uh, that they had. So uh, it's a mixed bag all around, but um, you know it's always easier to see it and, and sort of see how the Galaxy play when you're there. I know you were there. So what was your assessment of, uh, of this LA Galaxy team? I thought uh, Insua, played, uh, Insua played a really good game. He was looking for Chicharito from the start. He was delivering a lot of crosses into the box, but they just weren't hitting their target. In fact, one directed for Chicharito wound up going to Katai, who who put a header off the post. That was kind of interesting. Um, it just seemed like the, it, the chemistry was not there. And, and I know they had a number of preseason games together, but Insua and, and Chicharito were rarely on the field together. Remember, Insua was a late arrival. He had an injury, and then Chicharito was off on his visa. So those two, that seemed to be the game plan. And Insua coming up the wing and delivering a cross, he just couldn't find Chicharito. Um, when you look at the statistics, Chicharito, you, you talk about him not scoring a game. I think there's a lot more than just not scoring a goal um, to be concerned about because when you look at the stats, his 32 touches, that was the, the fewest of any starter his, uh, his, he had the second lowest number of total passes, 12. He had 32 touches in 90 minutes. He had 12 passes and completed just nine of those 12 passes. Um, it really didn't seem to be in the game. He had one shot. It was a very weak shot in the 11th minute that went way wider than that. Um, he worked hard on defense. He was active. He was moving around a lot. He had one good pass that almost led to a goal in the 74th minute when he found Sebastian Legette in the middle of the box, and, and there was a good save on that one. But other than that, he wasn't really all that actively involved in the offense, and it seemed to be more of a chemistry problem than than uh, a work rate or anything like that. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, listen, uh, I think we have to, and we've been talking about it, but we have to continue to talk about it. Uh, you know, Chicharito's not Zlatan. You're not going to run the whole game plan through that person, but what Chicharito is is reliant on service, and I think you have to credit Houston. Um, Houston did a great job of clogging the middle of the field. You talk about guys who had bad nights. I think Sebastian Legend had a bad night. I think Sasha Kleschen had a bad night. I thought Perry Kitchen was good defensively and was it didn't, wasn't really a factor that much in the offensive side of things. Uh, I thought Katai had a poor night. I thought Chicharito had a poor night. And you look at where a lot of this is coming from, and that comes from the midfield not being connected to the to the forwards. I thought the midfield did a better job connecting with the defense, which is one of the big problems that the LA Galaxy have had through this. So defensively, I thought they played pretty well. You can certainly credit Houston for not finishing uh, very well because I think Houston had a bunch of shots, uh, but the Galaxy actually ended up out shooting Houston on target 4-2 to two, um, and just slightly under, I think, 15-11 to 11 on total shots uh, as it goes. And you, you look at that. There were a bunch of block shots um, that the LA Galaxy had. I think Rolf Felcher had a great night just from keeping Houston from crossing the ball in. He had six or seven, I felt like, blocks of crosses going into the box. He had some good slide tackles. 
Um, so, you know, there's there's some good performances. But again, the bad performances for me came from the center of the field. And there's things that are evident in this. This one is Houston knew to clog the center of the field and that the LA Galaxy would have to work up the wings, which is what the LA Galaxy ended up doing. Um, and two is that the LA Galaxy have and continue to miss Jonathan Dos Santos uh, to, to sort of be that that pivot point in that central midfield. Um, you know, I was hoping that Sasha Kleschen, I thought, could do that job. And you saw him in the Chicago game. Uh, playing a little bit better in that role and, and providing a little bit more of a spark offensively going forward, but you didn't see that in this game. And when you do that, you're gonna you're gonna see Chicharito disappear, um, and that's well, what happens. Well, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They really miss Jonathan, and I think it makes a huge difference, as you said, in that in that link between the midfield and the strikers and, and the attackers. Um, but but you're absolutely right too about uh, the. I thought the center backs. I thought uh, Giancarlo and Dupuis had relatively good games i mean offensively at least i know you had some some questions about people's play defensively but you know they were one and two uh they were among the leaders in touches they were one and two in total passes which tells me that the galaxy are going to are really committed to playing the ball out of the back they're going to continue to do that and that's good to have those center backs being that active with that many touches and that many passes but the, as you said they're delivering ball to a very very choked midfield and then it doesn't go any further than that and that's where the real problem is and and you're absolutely right when jonathan comes in there uh, you know, I think that that is going to change. Yeah, you would expect him to be un- be able to unlock some of this stuff. Um, the other the other disappointing, you know, the real disappointing thing throughout this preseason has been Alexander Katai, and it, it feels like Kevin, we're getting a player right now who's not a hundred percent fit. No, uh, and is also not a ninety minute guy. I'm looking back at his time with Chicago, and there's a lot of games he came out early, even well, when he started. Yeah, and and I expect him to be able to start going, you know, 65, 70, 80 minutes in these games. I mean, that's really what you should, but. You know, also in in Guillermo's offense, Kevin, I think we do have to acknowledge that uh, that when you look at what he's asking the wingers to do, that it's a lot of work. And so Katai, a, a little bit older, um, you know, than than a Christian Pavone or even a Chicharito, is probably going to be one of those guys who gets subbed. And if you look in this game, whenever they bring Joe Corona into the game in place of uh, you know Katai, um, you know things changed a little bit for the LA Galaxy. Right around the 60th minute, they started to gain a little more possession, started to be a little bit fresher. Um, my only concern on the substitution pattern here, Kevin, is that when you look at it, uh, Guillermo Barrascoleto really used one substitution. Uh, he ended up using two and not the fully allotted three, but he used one. He brought in Joe Corona for Alexander Katai in the 60th in the 58th minute. Uh, and then the next one wasn't until the 87th minute when they bought, brought Emil Cuello in for Sebastian Legette. For me, that's a, we're going to stall this game and, and shut it down. This isn't a sub brought on to, to do anything. So really, uh, Guillermo you know, made one change, and I think that's been a criticism over last year as well and sort of what we've seen uh, throughout those games uh, in 2019, Kevin, is that Guillermo doesn't use a lot of subs. Um, he doesn't always use all three. And when he does, he doesn't always use them to try to affect or change the game as much as maybe you would expect. Um, so it, it's something to watch. I think this LA Galaxy team is a deeper team maybe than it was last year, although you can certainly go position by position. It's a coin flip. It's a toss. I seesaw between those two positions. But for me, uh, there was a real lack of you know bringing somebody off the bench to change things in this game that could have changed things for the better. Um, the one real sub, like I said, Joe Corona, I thought did a good job whenever he came in. So perhaps well, he played himself back into a, a starting spot. Well, I think that I, I would push back a little bit on that. I, I think generally you're right, but I, I do think the Corona thing at least, you know, one of the things about soccer is a lot of times there's a lot of numbers they're compiling now. Everyone's trying to get in the analytics thing like baseball, and I'm not so sure all of these numbers answer 
any questions. But it, it, since they're here, I'm going to use them to say that uh, the, the, the Corona substitution kind of answered what you were talking about, which was uh, the fact that the midfield was getting so bogged down. Corona came in right after the the, the uh, Houston score. So right. at that point, it was a draw. And he was uh, Corona was on the field for 32 minutes. In that time, he had a lot more passes than Katai did. And he also had almost as many touches as Katai had in in nearly twice as much time on the field. So that told me that that, that tells me that Corona was much more active, was much more of that link that you were talking about, uh, and was much more effective in getting at least bringing the ball up than Katai was. And so I, I I think Corona was supposed to answer that um, the missing Dos Santos part. Um, it didn't get a goal, uh, but I, I I will give Guillermo a little bit of credit of of trying to break down that midfield, and I think that's what Corona was supposed to do. Yeah, it, 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 this is really, if you want to talk about all the LA Galaxy's problems, and that includes, you know, Chicharito being very limited in what his role was on the night, uh, it's the midfield. And so as that midfield goes, uh, you're going to have to sort of see, I think, as the LA Galaxy go, and as we were, were certainly aware of last year a lot of times, as Jonathan Dos Santos played, um, the LA Galaxy played. Um, so it's it's something to watch as we expect that Jonathan Dos Santos could be available for this game against Vancouver. In fact, I think everybody's expecting that he will play against Vancouver. We'll certainly know as the uh, as the week drags on um, sort of what the positioning what the LA Galaxy is feeling on that is and whether or not uh, it's something that we could see uh, but Jonathan Dos Santos is an answer there but remember no preseason for for Jonathan there uh, Kevin so the chemistry issue probably still isn't answered and I'll well, tell you yeah but I, maybe maybe I mean he's played with Chicharito for a decade with the national team so they're at least with Chicharito yeah he and he played with Pavon a little bit last year so I I agree with you, but I, I kind of disagree a little bit in that, yes, that the chemistry, the fitness, I think, is a, a bigger issue. There will be some chemistry issues with guys like Insua and some of the newer players, but if you're looking at Pavone and, and Chicharito, and if, if Jonathan's role is to feed those two guys, I think he does have some history with both of those guys. I think he has the understanding. It's always been my belief that in soccer, you change one player on the field, and that affects the chemistry of the entire, you know, sort of the body. Um, only because you're only as strong as your weakest link, and everybody sort of has to understand what everybody's doing in order to be successful. I think that there will be some great individual plays. Speaking of great individual plays, the Christian Pavon gold, the David Bingham assist. Uh, <laughs> who needs passing was basically what I said on uh, on on Twitter, uh, who needs pass? Just, just whatever. Just you know, one pass all the way the length of the field, three quarters of the field. Uh, David Bingham dropped the pass on a dime. Kevin, a perfect pass uh, gets the assist as Pavone comes in. And I will answer this for everybody saying that Chicharito, you know, was not involved. He dragged defenders out of the way for Pavone to cut into that center. Um, and that was very evident on the replays whenever you watch it. So um, the 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 intelligence to get out of the way sometimes still there and, and still affects things on the field. But Christian Pavone in the goal, David Bingham with the assist um, was was the highlight and was probably the best thing that happened for the LA Galaxy. It was quick. It was decisive. It was two good plays. And uh, and the LA Galaxy were were leading at that time. So a pretty a pretty fun sort of replay to watch and certainly a fun goal to watch. Well, I think you've got to keep your eye on Pavone. I mean, I. We've talked about this a little bit on the show, and you've heard other media talk about it. Chicharito's getting all the attention, and I, and I still think the over-under on him is somewhere around 15 for how many goals he'll get. Um, will he have an effect on the team? We talked about this too. Absolutely, the way that he took those defenders out of the way and cleared the way for a Pavone, that may be what he winds up – that may be his most viable contribution all season is – drawing defenders to him that you can't leave Chicharito uncovered. You can't leave them unmarked. And sometimes he's going to get two people collapsing on him. So when he does that, that leaves somebody open. And if it's Pavone, I think that's going to really benefit the galaxy. 
I, I'm going to say it now. I think you could be looking at Pavone having a shot. And I'm saying he's going to do it because no one's done it. This is the 25th year of MLS. No one's had 20 goals and 20 assists. Pavone might do it. Certainly the 20 assists. This is a guy who, uh, you know, had eight assists and what, 11, eight assists and three goals in 11 regular season games last year. He's already got a goal this season. Um, you know, he's contributing a goal a game, uh, whether an assist or goal. I think he has a chance to put up some numbers. And, and you know, if they, and again, when you, we talk about, uh, you know, putting salaried players on the bench and, uh, you know, we talk about, well, it doesn't matter if they play or not, if the team wins because the payroll is the team. And um, I'm going to look at this the same way and say, if the Galaxy score goals and Chicharito helps, but he doesn't score the goals, it's it's still to the team's benefit. You yeah. know, every time they score a goal, it's it's good for them. And if Chicharito is contributing by, by being a distraction, by being a decoy, that's great because I think Pavone, I mean, we saw the magic of that goal, that, that long passage you mentioned from David Beckham or for David Bingham. <laughs> excuse me, wrong uh, David. I, I did that one earlier. So that <laughs> now's your turn. So if you watch the replay and, and I saw it in person, he's on the edge of the six yard box um, or actually the, ed, the edge of the area. And he's about to throw the ball out and then he looks up and he sees Pavone spurning down the wing the pass is kind of a low pass, but it's a, the length of an NFL punt. It's about 50 yards, and it lands right on his right foot. And from there, it's all Pavone. He takes it the rest of the way, avoids a couple defenders, dribbles to into the box, comes out of the box, goes along the top of the Houston box. And then I, I think part of it was he couldn't lay the ball off at that point. He was it, it, The momentum was carrying him. He was going too fast. It was one of those things where if he tried to lay the ball off, the pass was going to be too strong. He was going to miss whomever he might want to try to find. He had to shoot at that point, and it was a right-footed uh, laser that went right up into the top corner. Goalkeeper never had a chance. It certainly was one of the best goals of, of, of the weekend, and it shows that the Galaxy have a dangerous attack. It doesn't have to go through Chicharito. Yeah, it is. And uh, by the way, that goal nominated for goal of the week. So you can go vote for that one if you think that's the one uh, that should be voted on. I can't uh, I, I can't remember what his name is now. All of a sudden, uh, was it Hinman uh, for, for Atlanta. Atlanta? Yeah, yeah. Great, great goal. Great goal. A game winning goal, too. Yeah, a really, uh, a really interesting one. Uh, I think that one probably has my vote. If you're if, you're, if I'm being honest, I love Pavone's, uh, you know, goal. I think it was great. But I think that one, uh, the finish there, there's some really good ones to, to sort of start this week. So uh, definitely you can go vote for Pavone if you think or anybody else I am of the opinion that you're doing everybody a disservice if you don't vote for the best goal every single week uh, and if you're just trying to be a homer because quite honestly I think Atlanta's going to win because Atlanta usually gets the uh, votes or at least has the voting bots working for them uh, more than everybody else so well, that's what happens when you get 75,000 people to come <laughs> to your games that, it certainly helps uh, it certainly helps so anyway uh, so that one's nominated there um, when you look at this game you know I think I said it, it's sort of the the epitome of a first game of the the season you're, you're missing a bunch this is not what the finished product is but having said that uh the draw was important the la galaxy haven't got a draw in houston since 2017 they haven't uh, got a point in houston yeah, since 2017 yeah so they've, they've got nothing out of that uh out of that trip so it was an important way to start and you can certainly say that houston's not the team that they're going to be either um, I think better finishing for them, and they probably score two or three goals. And the LA Galaxy better finishing, they probably get three or four goals. Uh, Katai hits the one off the post that probably should have been in. Uh, Sebastian Lejet had the pass a little bit behind him, but still sort of muffled the left-footed shot. Katai had another shot that he possibly uh, could have put in the back of the net. There were a bunch of chances, and I think this, this game is sort of the product of poor finishing on both sides. Uh, the goal, though. 
uh, the goal the LA Galaxy give up. And as you sort of pointed out, I think in the 54th minute, uh, Mauro Minotas uh, gets put in by Zarek Valentin. Uh, it's a gr- it's a great pass uh, to unlock the LA Galaxy defense. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of things that I noticed. I think probably three things. Uh, one is. The initial positioning by Valentin was outside the box. So he was moving forward and that there wasn't a midfielder sort of around him to, to sort of head that off quickly. And if there is, uh, he doesn't move forward into that space and doesn't cause uh, people Gonzalez to go out and step. Now, here's the interesting thing. Some people are going to blame people for stepping. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. The two most experienced defenders on the line at that point, Kevin, uh, which would be people Gonzalez and uh, Emiliano and Sua, both stepped. At the same time, the two guys who are who are not as experienced, Rolf Felcher, who still has a ton of experience, but still le- less experience than the other two, uh, Rolf Felcher and Nick DePew, uh, those are the guys who didn't step. Uh, and so when you have one side of the line stepping up and the other side of the line staying where they're at, what you get is a mismatch. And what did uh, what did Mauro Minotas do but run back in behind Pipo and basically the space by Emiliano and Sua. Um, and that's where the pass was hit. Valentin hit him in. Now, whenever that pass comes in, the big mistake, so there's already one big mistake that's been made, whether it's on the guys for not stepping or for the guys for stepping or for the midfielder not being in it, that's where the defense has already been unlocked. But the big mistake then comes again uh, with David Bingham and his positioning on this play. Now, there's a couple different ways to look at this, and I'll tell you, I'll sort of tell you what those different ways are, and I'll tell you which way I'm leaning, which is that David Bingham ended up, you know, basically guarding his near post, um, but guarding it to the point where about 90% of the goal was open to the left side. Um, you've seen the videos, and obviously the angle changes. Uh, with Bingham out, uh, he's trying to make the, the goal a little bit smaller, but I think he just sort of loses his positioning. He either loses his positioning, Kevin, or he slides over thinking that Nick DePew is not going to get there in time and that he's going to have to take Minotas on by himself one-on-one. But DePew does get there in time. Uh, there's actually a little bit of a deflection, and people have said, hey, if it wasn't for the deflection, it, David Bingham probably had that covered. I'll tell you this, I didn't see that ball change directions a whole bunch. It certainly bounced up after it hit Depew, but it stayed in the same general direction it was going. Uh, so I don't think that that's a, that's a thing. I think this is one of those that Bingham didn't think Depew was going to get there, so he slid over a little bit too far thinking he was going to have to take Minotas on one-on-one, and what ends up happening is it's an easy finish back across the goal where about 85 to 90% of the goal was wide open. Yeah, um, I think I think that's the only explanation. I didn't get a chance to ask David about that, but... Uh, watching the replay, that's exactly what it was. He he really favored that that near post, was really guarding against it. And the only way he reason he would do that, because, again, he left so much of the net open, there was no one to pass to. There was no one else in the box that I saw. Um, I, I think he definitely counted on his defenders guarding the rest of the net. And maybe maybe you can even say maybe Depew should have done that. Depew slid in and tried to deflect the ball. Maybe he would have been better off holding up and, and, and acting as an extra d- defender and sort of blocking the goal because there was nothing blocking 85% of the goal. It was a wide open net to shoot at um, once Bingham decided that he, he that he committed to the near post. If Depew had stayed there and maybe not slid across um, or any uh, anybody else showing up to help on defense, it might have been a tougher shot. But once Depew committed and went down to the ground and then Bingham was already guarding that post, it was a, a very easy goal. He might have been able to score that. 
Yeah, I, I, I doubt it. I couldn't probably have run the five yards I needed to sort of be in the open space whenever that happened. Um, but no, I mean, it was a good finish, all that stuff. Listen, um, David Bingham wasn't called on very much on the night. Uh, again, only two shots on goal was, I think, forced to make one save then. Um, Houston's finishing was poor. The LA Galaxy's finishing was poor. Uh, you could have seen this game be a 3-3 game, a 4-4 game, something like that. Could have also happened had the finishing been better uh, because the defense wasn't perfect. Having said that, out of the two different units, the offense and the defense for the LA Galaxy, I thought the defense played well, um, played better than the offense. Uh, certainly the offense is still missing things, and they can't just uh, rely on the individualism of Christian Pavone, although it's certainly going to score them a lot of goals this year having done that. But um, they need to work a little bit more. And again, getting somebody like Sebastian Legette, he has to take a step. The, one of the most important players on this team this year, Kevin, is Sebastian Legette because he's going to be playing in that central attacking midfield, that cam roll, and he has to be able to connect with Katai and with Chicharito and with Pavone. And right now, uh, certainly what you saw from Houston was they were able to mark him out of that position most of the time. So he has to be better. I think that's the big sort of uh, take away from this is that if they're going to crowd the midfield like that, if they're going to crowd the middle of the field and force people, that Sebastian Legette has to be good enough to break through lines and find those extra passes into that final zone uh, where you can find guys like Chicharito. I mean, putting the ball on you know Chicharito's shoulder and sort of pushing him into space is a great way to open things up, and that opens up a ton of room for everybody else, and I think the Galaxy have the ability to do that. They have the ability to do that well, to, well, to Pavone, too. Well, when you look at the team, Houston has almost 60% possession, and they, they only test the goalkeeper. Bingham only sees two shots. You're right. I mean, it was a great defensive effort. The team had the ball 60% of the time, and they, they only put the ball on the goalkeeper twice. Now, they beat him once, but then we all know uh, right now David Bingham is is the Galaxy's offensive force. He's an offensive player, leads the team in assists. So trying to have the guy, you know, leading the team in assists and also making saves, that's kind of a tough combination, right? Yeah, it is. It is. I, I mean, know Eric Eric was, was, was making a, a lot of noise about David Bingham's poor performance, but again, leads the team in assists. He does, certainly for the time being. Yeah, if you go over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, Eric has his Grading the Galaxy uh, uh, article up there where he's going to do grades for everyone. Um, by the way, if they're not highlighted, it usually means that they have like two or three stars and that, you know, hey, nothing really stood out, that type of thing. But everybody is graded. You'll be able to see that. You'll be able to see everybody's average scores, all sorts of fun stuff. Eric's doing that. But Eric says one star for David Bingham. Uh, and you can agree or disagree with that. By the way, our first one star rating rating is David Bingham. So uh, I wonder if uh, Eric knows that uh, David Bingham could be waiting for him next time he goes to his car after the game. Uh, well, you know, Dave, David Bingham's played 10 years in MLS. And I went down to him after the game and said that, that was, you know, a great pass, your second assist in MLS. And he said third. And I go, <laughs> I looked it up. There's two. You had one to Wondolowski and you had the one today. And then he described in detail one from his first MLS start in, I think, 2011. He d it was against New England. He described the pass. He described Wondolowski's finish. Uh, and it, it was kind of amazing. And he said, you know, I've only got three. It's hard to forget them. You kind of remember them all. So obviously assists are a big part of his game because he remembers exactly how they all came down, even 10 years later. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like one of those whenever you talk to a golfer and they can remember every shot they took during a round, you know, and stuff like that. It's just it's the, the level of detail you get with professional athletes sometimes uh, is pretty crazy. Uh, well, so I remember talking to baseball players like your first hit, and they said, well, that was 15 years ago. It was at Shea Stadium. It was a, a cold night. The guy threw me an 0-2 slider, and I took it the other way, and there were two runners on base, and it's like – 
how do you and sometimes i'll go back and say you know they there's no way they, they they can't possibly remember that and they're always right yeah yeah no no you go back and look at it. i think lebron james had one of those too where somebody was trying to tell him what happened he's like well let's talk about the play before that where the ball comes into here and it kicks over and like everybody's sitting there as he's talking about like the play as it broke down in the and why that led to the transition it was it was uh good stuff it's always fun whenever you can sort of uh pick the mind you see the intelligence pop through so uh but i, I mean you're right david bingham has three he's gonna remember them right like if you have three home runs ever in, in major league baseball you're gonna you're gonna remember all of them if you ever if you if you're a defender and you score a goal you're gonna remember that one goal right i mean that that's how it sort of uh sort of works most of the time um but anyway you know in in closing up this this sort of discussion about the la galaxy and and what they were able to do on this night i think that you have to say that it shouldn't come as a surprise because we saw a lot of this in the preseason i think that there's tons of room for improvement as we have said in the preseason leading up to it so you're seeing all these things um i think getting jonathan dos santos certainly helps uh i do think that there is at least in my mind raising the question about the depth on this team and how guillermo is going to use that to affect change in a game um i think that there's a bunch of different options for him to go to you talk about Depew uh and steras and whether or not steras is back um and whether he starts and if steras comes back is, does that mean people goes to the bench and Depew start i mean nick Depew looks like he's been playing in major league soccer his whole life right now uh, we, we kind of were questioning whether or not, you know, MLS preseason soccer means anything until, and you won't know until you play MLS soccer, uh, regular season soccer. And Nick DePew was like, yeah, I don't care what the game is. I'm going to be the same sort of guy. Uh, he's a solid, tall, big body. I think the LA galaxy have a, have a quote unquote keeper, not a goalkeeper, but a keeper there, um, at, at central defense. So do you want to limit his minutes by bringing back Steras, um, and knocking Depew to the bench or does people go to the bench and you keep Depew? I mean, there's some questions that probably need to be answered. I think in the short term, the answer is that Steras comes back and he plays with people, but I think there's going to be a short leash on these guys. And in training, Nick Depew has every chance I think in the world to get back into the starting lineup right now, especially as the LA galaxy don't seem to be any closer to Alan Franco. Although, uh, some fans ran into Chris Klein, asked him about, uh, Alan Franco. And Chris Klein said that they're still in talks, still negotiations, uh, which we sort of expected to happen as it gets closer and closer to the transfer window ending. So we'll see if anything comes about that. But uh, just well, I don't know. A couple of things. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say a couple of things you talk about, you know, it's the first game. It's, you know, they're uh, Chicharito talked about still being sort of a hangover from the preseason. They haven't really quite got their sea legs under them yet. The one thing I will say that the galaxy, they all thought that was a great result. As you mentioned, their first point in Houston since 2017, there wasn't any sense of panic, which it's a really good thing. Yes. Did they want to get a win? Did they feel like they, they really wanted to, to build some momentum opening up the first season, uh, first full season with Pavone, first game with Chicharito. Yeah, but to a person, the Galaxy said afterwards that, hey, it's the first game. They all talked about being extremely happy with the point. Chicharito was, said, look, we did some things good. We did some things bad. I need to be more involved. It's the first game. We know what we have to work on. Yes, we have to get better, and we're going to get better, and we'll be better next week. But they also talked about the first – they thought – Chicharito made this point, and so did Guillermo. They thought they were really good for the first 20 minutes, and they thought that they controlled the game for the first 20 minutes. And certainly that 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 is, was the eyeball test as well. Uh, but then Chicharito said when they got that goal in the 13th minute, that that's when the game changed. And he said it was a the, – the tie was a fair result. 
that the teams were even over the last 70 minutes. And he said, it's, it's a, a Chicharito talking again. He said, you know, it's a really funny thing about soccer. You get that goal and you think it's a good thing. But the fact we got it so early was probably the worst thing that happened to us because it changed the way we played, whether it was intentional or not. We let Houston back in the game after that. Whereas if we had had to push maybe another 10 minutes to get that goal, the game might have been totally different. Yeah, there's something to that. I always talk about scoring and scoring too early and how that affects and sort of changes the game. Uh, with the draw, by the way, it is just the sixth draw in season opener history for the LA Galaxy. So uh, in club history, all 25 years, just the sixth time the LA Galaxy have drawn their very first game. Uh, overall, they're 11, 8, and 6 uh, in season openers. And the last time, Kevin, the LA Galaxy got a draw in their season opener, it was in the 2009 uh, uh, season. So the very first game of the 2009 season. And they the, went to MLS Cup that year. They did. They didn't win it, but they went to MLS Cup that year. Bruce Arena's they first... They went to penalty kicks of MLS Cup. They did. Broken, broken hands, all sorts of crazy stuff in that game. I was at that game. Uh, it was it was, it was, an, it was a crazy game. Uh, but yeah, 11, 8, and 6 overall in season openers. I thought everybody would enjoy at least that stat uh, going back and looking at it. But all the other draws sort of came in, coming a lot earlier. So it's been, what, 2009, uh, 11, I guess it's 12 seasons whenever you look at it is it 12 seasons or 11 seasons it's one it's well, right in there that's kind of a remarkable stat because the first what four or five years they didn't even have ties so that means the whole period you know from 2000 to 2009 there was a bunch of ties in there well mls counts some of those as ties by the way uh if you go back and you actually look at, at how they did them but like they counted it like a, as a penalty kick win right so oh, okay. like they so, got the full points but somehow in the records they actually still show it as a draw because i just co basically copied their records whenever i went back and looked at the games because the standings don't show ties yeah exactly and and that's not uh that's not how it works so yeah it was uh it was just interesting to sort of track some of that and, and sort of do it but uh i have all those records already in there so all i had to do was plug it in and then sort of look and say okay where where does this sit so uh yeah that's where the la galaxy are now one of the things that happened kevin uh hours really you know about 12 18 hours before this game kicked off uh, the LA Galaxy came out and officially announced Chicharito as captain of the LA Galaxy in 2020, um, which, of course, riled up a whole bunch of, uh, of feelings. And I can imagine you and I were talking about before this. One of the feelings that certainly riled up uh, was the fact so, that... So Guillermo announced that, huh? It, well, no, Guillermo didn't announce it. Uh, That's my point. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> you know, We're, we're going to talk about how we uh, how we sort of coach this or couch this discussion. But uh, yeah, no announcement from Guillermo. Um, I don't think that at any point Guillermo sat all the team down and said, hey, Chicharito is going to be your captain for 2020. Uh, I was told there, there was no, no team vote on it. Um, so it wasn't like the players elected him either. But that's not to say that Guillermo didn't do it. All right, we just we we don't really have a lot of that information as far as it goes, but it it, it riled up a whole bunch of bad memories, and obviously the David Beckham um, thing, David Beckham coming in and immediately being named captain, and his people coming in and trying to take over the LA Galaxy, and so that certainly got a whole bunch of people hot under the collar, especially when it seems pretty obvious that Jonathan Dos Santos is the likely guy to be that. Now, uh, I'll say this uh, before we really start talking about this, Kevin, and we can sort of parse it and maybe explain it a little bit better. Um, when you look at who Jonathan Dos Santos is and you look at who, you know, Javier Hernandez Chicharito is, 
one of those guys is very vocal and is very much a cheerleader and is out there yelling and clapping and encouraging and, you know, also pointing some criticism out there. And one of those guys is a, I'm just sort of a lead by example guy. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play hard and I'm going to give it my all. And you guys should do like me because you, you, if you play like me, we'll, we'll win. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos is the lead by example guy and Javier Hernandez is the sort of raw raw cheerleader guy who's out there who's going to be passionate intense he's going to yell he's going to scream he's going to clap he's going to hug he's going to cry he's that guy um, and so when you're looking at what you want from a captain you should consider those two things I would have no problem with Chicharito being captain if you said it was because you like the way that he sort of brings the team together and if I, I would imagine that most of the guys on the field by the way that includes some of the senior players uh, you know guys like Sebastian Legette who've been there Dan Steris, um, you know anybody who you think you know David Bingham might have a longer tenure and a more, and more right to that captaincy I think that some of them would probably defer and say yeah you know Javier Javi can do that Javier can can be that that captain for us and that wouldn't be a problem so I don't think that's the big issue it's more just the optics and everything uh, when you look at this and you bring up the David Beckham years and sort of how that went sideways and you know Landon Donovan and David Beckham splitting and uh, the book comes out and Bruce Arena has to sit them all down and tell them to talk nice to each other and sort of come to come to agreement on everything uh, that's why all this was was at least there but uh, when you look at this Kevin you look at Chicharito as captain um Listen, I it, it's tough to sort of parse this, but it seems like this was more of a social media buildup than anything really official. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised, Kevin, if during this season, uh, you're certainly going to see Jonathan Dos Santos also be the captain whenever he's out there on the field and is in healthy. Um, this was this was just buzz. This was clicks. This was engagement uh, for a lot of this. And I would expect that the LA Galaxy and Jonathan Dos Santos and Javier Hernandez, I believe they all are, are very much in line. I don't think this is ruffling anybody's feathers. And I think that you're going to see both of those guys probably wear the armband this year well i just did a long story about david beckham and i talked to a lot of different people bruce landon david um uh, tim lywicki all about that episode with the the captainship and in 20, uh, 2008 and there was a totally different situation landon was there landon was the best american player david came in he was one of the first large, big foreign names to come to mls they took the armband away from Landon. Um, I mean, there was nationalism. There was all kinds of stuff involved. There was uh, MLS pride. Uh, it was a different world then because there weren't many internationals. And when David came in and all of a sudden they gave him the biggest contract ever, they changed the league rules for him. Then they gave him the armband. It rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and it wasn't handled right. And you're right. There was that sit down with Bruce Arena and, and everyone I talked to said that was what what really turned things around that it was a very combustible situation. This is totally different. You're right about the personalities. I wouldn't be surprised if this was Jonathan's idea to say, you know what, you're a much better captain. I did it because, you know, who else was going to do it when Zlatan wasn't on the field, but I, I really didn't like it that much. And, and you're much better at this. And you're right. Yeah, Jonathan is going to be uh, probably be the vice captain and probably get the armband at times. But it, this is really uh, what happened is the galaxy caused a much bigger stir than it needed to be. And it was this with social media people. And I think we see that a lot with the galaxy, that they're very interested in the social media activity and and the clicks and, and the attention that they get. And they will make three or four mistakes on social media a year. You can you can bank on it every season. They're going to get in front of the narrative a little bit. It's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to have people, players especially, having to uh answer questions that they really don't know anything about or that they'd rather not have asked. Um, so it, it's not a big deal. It was handled poorly. It should have been announced officially. It wasn't. 
but it's it's not an issue, and and I can guarantee you that there's no one in that dressing room, least of all Jonathan Dos Santos, that it, it is even having a second thought about this. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a thing. I, I think you'd have to tell everybody it was a thing uh, in the locker room. He's like, oh yeah, okay. I, I don't think it's a it's something that is going to be a long term worry. Um, it's just hey, you know, it's it's one of those things. You want to drive the conversation. Uh, sometimes you drive the conversation. Uh, sometimes that's not a good thing. And it's certainly uh, I would get you know, in my opinion, you put that out there and knowing the history that you have with with David Beckham and, and sort of how that ruffled feathers. I mean, fans know the history. Everybody knows that history. Um, and so to to even have the, abil- the the slight optics of that looking the same um, 18 hours or so before your team takes off, I, I think you, you divide a fan base for no reason. Um, and so, hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, at least as far as I can report, I'll tell you that, you know, I think there's just as good a chance that Jonathan Dos Santos wears the armband sometimes uh, this year as as uh, Javier Hernandez Chicharito. And I think that's probably, I think that's all, all as it should be. This doesn't, this isn't Javier Hernandez, you know, hostile takeovering, uh, you know, the LA galaxy, that's not what's happening. Um, and I think the galaxy will be just fine as they continue through it. So, uh, all interesting stuff uh, as we go, uh, some more, uh, MLS news as well. Uh, Christian Pavone also named to the MLS team of the week, which of course he should be because he had a very good game. Uh, even if it was all by himself, uh, sometimes up there, uh, so Christian Pavone uh, will be right now. He's going to be the highlight for the LA Galaxy, and I think that's a good thing for the Galaxy. I think that takes a little pressure off uh, off Chicharito. I think the goals will come. I think the chemistry will come. So uh, I don't think that's a, a big worry. But one of the things that is a big worry, certainly globally, uh, certainly here in the United States and uh, even Los Angeles and the Galaxy, uh, is the coronavirus, Kevin. And I know that you got to talk to uh, the commissioner, Don Garber, and, and discuss a little bit about that. Yeah, and good and bad news that came out of that. First of all, you know, uh, I agree. Let's not panic. It's way worse in other places. But it, it is going to, the coronavirus is going to grow. I mean, everybody knows that. There are going to be more cases found. And and everybody is going to have to take a, a, a good, long, hard look at at how they react to it. I mean, some schools are going to probably be closed down. Others won't. So how does it affect sports? Well, we know that uh, in Japan, for example, the J-League, the soccer league there, they've just suspended all their games. They're not sure when the season's going to start. The Japanese, the Nippon Professional Baseball League, they're going to play the final 72 games of their essentially spring training, winter training, I guess, their preseason. They're going to play 72 games behind closed doors in empty stadiums. Um, the South Korean League, the K-League, they are also not playing soccer. The Chinese Super League is not playing soccer. And by the way, the Chinese Super League shutting down at the time it shut down in February. In February. It, that took a big blow. If you remember, the Chinese Super League was was giving all kinds of great, uh, huge bonuses to people like Oscar and Hulk and, and Fellini and others. Um, it, it, uh, Ola Kamara went there to play last year. Uh, now they have a salary cap, and then they had to shut down the league right in the middle of the transfer window when players were thinking of coming to China um, or, other, or other teams were thinking about buying players. All that is shut down. The Chinese Super League literally may, it may take them years to recover, if at all they do. So this is really a blow to soccer uh, in Asia, but it's starting to spread. In, in, in Italy, there were nine Serie A games canceled and one second division game canceled in the last two weekends. Um, it the uh, Syria officials are going to have an emergency meeting on Wednesday. There are already some team officials there talking about they may not finish the season. They may have to suspend the rest of the season. And they have uh, three teams in European tournaments that may not be able to have their home uh, legs played in Champions League and in Europa League played in Italy. So it's a serious problem. So with that as the backdrop, we talked to Don Garber about that last night. And he said that 
uh, MLS has been talking to health officials in both Canada and the U.S. They've been, he said his words were they've been monitoring the, monitoring the situation very carefully. Uh, they, they have no recommendations to do anything yet, but they are talking to people. He said they're talking to other leagues, and that's where it got a little bit confusing. I said other soccer leagues or other leagues in the U.S., and he just repeated other leagues. I don't know what that means. I don't know if he's talking to Syria. I know EPL is reaching out to other countries. Maybe uh, they've talked to EPL uh, to get their advice. Maybe they're talking to Major League Baseball. He's very unclear about that. But if, in fact, that uh, you know, the worry becomes people gathering in large places in close proximity. You know, one of the things they said on that cruise ship that was stuck in Yokohama Harbor is the passenger were, passengers were told, do not get any closer to than six feet to another person. Always keep six feet between you and another person. Well, you've been to a Galaxy game. You're not <laughs> six feet apart from anybody else unless there's nobody in the in the uh, in the stadium. And we know they're going to sell out the first few games with Chicharito. So um, that's just something you, you need to think about. No need to worry about that yet. But MLS is thinking about it. They are trying to develop some contingency plans. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I know the NBA, I think, came out uh, with some guidelines today for its players and talking about uh, not autographing certain items, you know, taking them from fans, that type of not taking pens from fans, those types of things, uh, you know, sort of keeping a little bit of distance and, and, and doing some stuff. So uh, just interesting how we have to track this and sort of fi- and, and find this. And travel, you 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 mentioned that I hadn't even thought about that. It's just not the it affects you and me and the fans here because they go to the stadiums here. But as far as the teams go, um, you know the Galaxy have to get on planes. Other teams have to get on planes and travel long distances and stay in hotels and and eat you know in restaurants and it's, it's all very communal and it's all great and we all love it. But at a time like this, you have to start to to wonder about that those transactions will the team start will the galaxy want to use their charter flights at the beginning of the season to make sure that they don't have a problem with coronavirus yeah it's uh, i don't know yeah it, it's it's certainly an interesting sort of take on all of this whenever you look at it and and, and you know what what's going to be the next step and and sort of how that's going to happen um so anyway it, it's just something you sort of have to watch which is not something i think we bargained for at the beginning of this season kevin so uh we'll have to keep watching it and if we get any updates or anything like that of course we're going to pass them on to you all right uh, some LA Galaxy alumni news. Let's start with the first one here, Kevin. Uh, Nate Smith uh, down with Orange County, uh, o- Orange County SC, right down in uh, down in Orange County, closer right. closer I mean, to me. Or- Orange County, pretty good park. Yeah, pretty, pretty. No, it's the Great Park. It's it's oh, pretty good. It's, it's okay. It's, okay, Orange County, okay part. It's excellent. But, uh, you know, he's down there. Uh, but the big uh, sort of L.A. Galaxy alumni news from this weekend, uh, a guy who's been out of soccer for a year uh, certainly wasn't a huge surprise, but uh, former L.A. Galaxy and D.C. United defender, uh, and certainly L.A. Galaxy when you really think about Sean Franklin coming into the league with the L.A. Galaxy, uh, I think played at Cal State uh, Northridge, uh, was a huge, huge part of the L.A. Galaxy's championship wins uh, in 2011 and 2012. Uh, so Sean Franklin uh, hangs up his boots, calls it a, calls it a year, and uh, he's officially retired. Uh, that's that that one at least uh, that one hurts a little bit more, Kevin, just because uh, he's he he was uh, he was sort of my age whenever he came in. It, you sort of look at these things. Everybody who was younger than me or now is starting to retire from soccer too. I feel really old. Is basically what they, to make it about me. I'm starting to feel older, older and older. Well, you're older than the league. And the league's 25, so yes. you're older than that. Yes, but just barely. 
Just, yeah, I mean, Sean Franklin is a two-time MLS Cup champion. Yep. Yep, 2011-2012, uh, played with the LA Galaxy all the way through 2013, uh, and then got traded to DC United. Uh, that was one of those Bruce Arena deals where he said that he couldn't afford Sean Franklin anymore and would make sure he could go where he wanted to go. Sean ended up going to DC United, the LA Galaxy in 2014, obviously win an M- another MLS Cup. Um, well, that's a great segue because another player who was given that same offer by a different general manager is Dave Romney, who... Uh, Dennis DeClosa went to him. My understanding from Dave is Dennis DeClosa went to him uh, at the very start of this offseason and said, look, I know you're unhappy here. You're not getting a chance to play. Um, it, you know, it was Dave was told that he was very valuable, and he is. I mean, imagine with the roster that the Galaxy have now if Dave Romney was still there. I mean, he'd be super valuable. But but Dennis DeClosa doing the right thing went to him and said, look, you know, you've done everything that the, the franchise has asked for you. Now we want to help you out. Would you like to go to a place where you can start? And and should I start looking to do that? And Dave said, yeah, he wanted to be traded. And so they, they sent him to Nashville, and Nashville played its first game, lost to Atlanta 2-1. to one. Dave Romney played all 90 minutes, which, you know, it probably feels like a rarity after the way he was used at the Galaxy, and also uh, may have affected the NFL, the uh, MLS championship race. Yeah, certainly uh, was involved in the play where uh, Joseph Martinez ended up tearing his ACL. Uh, it actually looked, in, in my opinion, like Joseph fouled Dave, and that's actually what sort of led to the awkward foot falling and all sorts of bad things that eventually happened there. But uh, Joseph Martinez uh, looks like he's out for the season with Atlanta, um, and that's a huge deal for Atlanta United, uh, and certainly affects, I, I would think all sorts of odds whenever you look at uh, who was a favorite to go to MLS Cup. Atlanta certainly was up there. Um, and so with Joseph Martinez out, that's going to take a probably a big hit with that. Uh, their leading goal scorer, a guy who uh, the offense really centers around and the guy who can change the game, you know, with a couple flicks of the heel or uh, or good solid strike. So uh, a huge deal for them. But yeah, Dave Romney involved in that play. So a little L.A. Galaxy connection all the way through. Uh, so does he get a, if the Galaxy win the title be, and because Atlanta United is not there, does Dave get a ring? <laughs> I would, wouldn't I would, want one for that. I would guess not. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, all right. As we go, uh, the LA Galaxy is still continuing their LA Galaxy week. Um, so a whole bunch of programming going on. Today was uh, Twitter, Facebook, and all day LA Galaxy digital takeover. People were uh, putting in their uh, different, uh, that's either different contests being run on all the social media sites. There were pictures. Uh, you could you could tweet in a picture and then they would put it with uh, some, some Galaxy wallpaper on it. So that was going on. Uh, Tuesday starts the LA Galaxy reading celebration. The LA Galaxy lighting up the Santa Monica Pier, the Pacific the Pacific Wheel at Pacific Park, uh, which they've done now, and then also the Happy Hour at Yield Kingshead, which starts at 8 p.m. Um, down in uh, in Santa Monica. So that's that's what's going on Tuesday. Wednesday is uh, Nikki's sports players appearances in Long Beach, downtown Los Angeles, and Bell Gardens um, from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, LA Galaxy should have the uh, locations and the players who are going to be there here pretty soon. Thursday is the LA Galaxy and Saturday's football in Long Beach uh, down at Bayshore Basketball Court. So that's there. And then Friday is the LA Galaxy Soccer Center, uh, the LA Galaxy and Black Arrow FC pop-up party, the Galaxy Gathering the night before party at Boomtown Brewery. Um, and that's in uh, in downtown Los Angeles. 
Uh, so all that stuff, of course, leading up to Saturday, March 7th, the LA Galaxy hosting the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, for the very first game of, or of the uh, the season in terms of the home opener. Uh, had the away opener, now you have the home opener, so the Galaxy will kick off that home opener uh, against the Vancouver Whitecaps. So they're doing all that stuff, and they're going to have a game after all that? It's just it's wow. just craziness. And we said it on Thursday uh, whenever Larry was in. We were talking about this, and I, I've never seen a list of events put out like this for the LA Galaxy, and they deserve all of the credit for, for managing and putting together all of these multiple things throughout this entire week, including Sunday, which was LA Galaxy Day. Uh, which was local businesses throughout Los Angeles basically providing discounts to people wearing their LA Galaxy gear, uh, which is super cool, and it was a long list of things. Now, what came out today, Kevin, was another fun thing for everybody, which was the LA Galaxy promotional calendar. Um, that promotional calendar now includes uh, all the different nights and the different giveaways. There's a uh, magnet schedule courtesy of Angry Orchard coming up for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, there is all sorts of fun stuff, including five separate nights and they're calling it the 25th season celebration and there are five separate nights which each with each of those nights celebrating an LA Galaxy championship team. So the first one would be Saturday, April 4th, 2002 championship night where they'll celebrate that 2002 team and they're having the first commemorative pin with the collectible box courtesy of Dignity Health. So as you can imagine, there's a pin for each one of these. Uh, and so you go Wednesday, May 27th is the 2005 championship night, uh, 2011 championship night, and each one gets a commemorative pin. So you're going to want to do that. You get your box, you get your box, you fill up your pins, and now all of a sudden you have a, co a commemorative pin set that celebrates each one of the LA Galaxy's five MLS Cup championships, which is a, a huge deal on all that. So that's there. Uh, other nights include the Vamos Galaxy night, um, which is uh, a Vamos Galaxy bandana courtesy of Modelo. Uh, you have teacher appreciation day you have pride night sunday may 31st you have the july 4th fireworks which i was told last year will be more of a spectacle than they have ever been uh so that's all double check to make sure that's still happening but that's saturday july 4th which is even more fun uh so that's coming on star wars night on saturday august 15th fan appreciation day sunday october 4th so a lot of stuff coming down the way or coming down the pipe for the la galaxy and their promotional nights so uh certainly something people are going to want to check out kevin you excited about the promotional nights that means we get a whole bunch of stuff. Usually up in the press box, they they leave us stuff, right? I want a bobblehead. You want a bobblehead? Who I do you like want? Bobbleheads. bobbleheads are – you do have a large collection of bobbleheads. I do have a large collection of bobbleheads, yes, so, including one I bought from you. Yeah? Which one Which one did you get? I can't remember. I, I took a Robbie Keane or Omar Gonzalez. I oh, yeah. I did, I did give you one of those. I remember that. I, I have a, a Landon Donovan bobblehead from the San Jose days when he still got the blonde hair. That, that one is a collector's edition. I would actually yeah. put that one in the studio. Uh, uh, I, I think we've talked about working out a loan on that one, maybe. Well, you you have the panda bobblehead from Russia. I do. Oh, no, it's a panda nesting doll. It's panda nesting dolls. I have the panda yeah. nesting dolls, so I have that one. Uh, the LA Galaxy weekly schedule coming up. Uh, training on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and Friday. Primary media day, by the way, would be on Thursday, so expect updates on injuries, all that stuff ahead of the game, usually two How days before. Yes? How come that's not part of the whole celebration thing? It is like, oh, because they don't want to celebrate you. Uh, that, that, oh, that's yeah. not happening. So that should be in the list of like exciting things to do this week. <laughs> Go see Kevin, ask questions. That sounds like yes. a good idea. Uh, Thursday, March fifth is is when all of that. So injury updates, all that stuff, right before the game. You want to check it out, and then of course the LA Galaxy have the uh, 
the home opener against the Vancouver Whitecaps. 7 p.m. kickoff on Spectrum Sportsnet, uh, Saturday, March 7th. And then LA Galaxy 2 has their USL championship season opener um, in at Rio Grande Valley FC. So it's an away game at HEB Park, 4.30 p.m. Sunday, March 8th for the USL opener there as well. Uh, well, let's talk about USL Championship for just one second, because on Saturday, not to not to take any of the attention away from the Galaxy 2's opener, but there will be a game in San Diego, Landon Donovan and the San Diego Loyal in their first game, and his first game as coach, welcoming the Las Vegas Lights with Eric Winalda as their coach. And what's really interesting about that, of course, is Eric Winalda was the leading scorer for U.S. soccer until Landon Donovan broke his record. And so you have the two, two, the, the two former record holders going head to head on the on the two different touchlines. Yeah, uh, that's what, uh, hey, you know, uh, former LA Galaxy alumni there. So, uh, always interesting to see. Uh, the LA Galaxy schedule. Yes, yes. Oh, that's true. Yes, I see. Uh, come on. I can tie it all together. I'm, I'm good at this. Uh, LA, Gal- LA Galaxy Dude. schedule. Let's get to that. Uh, Saturday, March 7th, obviously, Vancouver. Saturday, March 14th, a way to Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami uh, put on a, uh, a good match uh, on Sunday against LAFC. So I don't anticipate that being an easy game for the LA Galaxy at all. Uh, it is at Inter-Miami CF Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, broadcast on Big Boy Fox. Uh, so keep your eyes on that one. And, of course, everybody's billing it as David Beckham's team that he played for uh, against uh, David Beckham's team that he owns. Uh, so that'll be a big deal for the LA Galaxy and for Miami FC. That's going to be a much bigger game than it should be if it was just a regular season game. Uh, but that's their home opener, so it'll be a big deal for them. Uh, you have Orlando City at home for the LA Galaxy at the end of March, and then April has four games. Uh, Sporting Kansas City at home, uh, Minnesota away, Philadelphia away, Toronto away, uh, and then back home for the Houston Dynamo again on Saturday, April 25th uh, at 7.30 p.m. So that's uh, sort of where it is. The only other thing I sort of wanted to touch on is I was setting up charts and going through everything, and I went through my points per month chart, and I was putting that together, and I got reminded, and I just want to remind everybody else, that there are seven games the LA Galaxy play in May. I just that's a, I had to make my chart longer because I've never had a, a, a month that had seven games. I've had six games. Usually it's just one or two, but May has seven games. And that is, uh, in my opinion, what they would call a boatload of games. Uh, so just sort of uh, get that through through your head as it's going. Uh, three games in March, five games in April, seven games in May, four in June, five in July, five in August, three in September, one in October. Um, so that's sort of as that schedule. Uh, yeah, that May schedule is crazy. Not only seven games, four of them on the road, one at altitude in Colorado, one at Bank of California, which isn't a long trip, but it's a very obviously emotionally draining game. Um, and that's kind of quite coming up in the mid part of the season. I mean, that we got to talk a lot more about May. That could really be a, a decider that, that those seven games, because, you know, port, it, it starts off in Portland. It did, uh, you know, a generally a, a very tough conference opponent. Then they go to altitude. Then they come back and play the New York Red Bulls, which a lot of people believe are going to win the, the league this year. So a very good team. Then they have the LAFC game after that. Then they go back to altitude and play at Real Salt Lake uh, that, you know, so two games at altitude. And right. then they are at home for DC United and, and Minnesota United. That's a tough schedule. It's a very tough schedule. Uh, You know, gone are the days where you could say, oh, we'll just turn it on in summer. 
that's uh, just that's just an antiquated thought experiment for people now where you're like, oh, well, you don't really have to get everything going until like August or until, the, you know, July where you really have to turn it on. Uh, May very well could. If you go through and have a bad May, Kevin, uh, that's seven games where you have a bad stretch in a very short amount of time. Uh, and that could very well decide whether or not the L.A. Galaxy are playoff bound, whether or not they're supporter shield contenders, whether or not, you know, they have any chance at, at sort of looking at an MLS Cup. And that's probably earlier than we've ever been able to sort of say that might be the difference maker. But in a super hyper competitive Western Conference um, and a super hyper competitive league this year, uh, you know, even Nashville and Miami, the two expansion teams look like they're going to be able to compete day in and day out. I'm sure there's going to be some duds in there eventually and we're going to find them. But right now, uh, seven games in May in a short period of time, you have some bad streaks in there. You're not playing well. You don't have the chemistry figured out by that amount of time, which you should. Uh, that could spell the end of your season. Uh, yeah, we talked about this earlier. I mean, they need to get off to a good start. The, the point in Houston, as you as you mentioned, was good first since 2017. But then they have Vancouver into Miami. Vancouver uh, off to a, you know lost its first game and and frankly don't appear to be that good. Inter Miami expansion team. You would think that the Galaxy would be favored in that one. Then they have Orlando City. Doesn't look like they have a great team. They'll be better. The Galaxy need to get off to uh, what I'm trying to say is the Galaxy need to get off to a good start, and then maybe things like May won't loom so important. The Galaxy stumble a little bit with these, presumably, and there's really not an easy game in MLS anymore. But when you look at the quality of the caliber of the opponent, the Galaxy open with a much lighter schedule than they're going to see in May. Yeah, oh, it gets it gets tough. It gets tough real quick. Real quick, uh, LA Galaxy rumors: uh, 22 year old Edson Alvarez playing for Ajax. Uh, apparently was approached by the LA Galaxy this offseason and was asked if maybe he perhaps would like to come to the LA Galaxy, which is interesting because they currently have him valued about $15 million. He's a uh, a defender. Uh, Kevin, I think you told me he also plays holding midfield. You know a whole bunch about this guy. Yeah, I do. He came from Club America, can play holding midfield. I I know him because right before the last World Cup, Mexico had a meeting day in LA and when we went to the media day there were a number of players that they came out and made available sort of in a Super Bowl press setup style where they sat on risers and you could go up to each player and Chicharito was there and there's Guardado and Memo Choa and all the the usual suspects um, and the, the media crowds around the big players it, it was enormous you couldn't get close to anybody and Edson Alvarez who was on the on that team simply as an injury replacement wasn't expected to go to Mexico but if he went he would be one of the youngest World Cup or was expected to go to Russia, excuse me. If, if it went, he would be one of the youngest Mexican World Cup players in history. I thought that was interesting, and there was nobody talking to him. So I went up and chatted them up in Spanish for about 20 minutes and wrote this story about this young kid hoping to make the team, but probably wouldn't, and his best days are ahead of him, and he was just an honor to be there. You know what? He made the team. He started in the World Cup, actually had some good games, really took off after that. That's when he went. Then he came back to Club America and, and wound up in Europe. This is a Dennis DeClosa thing. This is Dennis DeClosa was with Edson Alvarez throughout his career, pushed him onto that uh, World Cup roster in a way, uh, has been instrumental to his career, uh, you know, has an in. Apparently the other team that is interested is Tottenham, and, and I actually said no to both yes. because they, they don't want to move him now, and Edson Alvarez is not – is not playing the galaxy clearly are not going to pay 15 million dollars for this guy but if you're ix and the guy's sitting on the bench and he's not playing at this point one dollar is better than no dollars and you're not going to get any money from a guy sitting on the bench with dennis to relationship with edson alvarez he could actually put the galaxy above tottenham 
you know, if Edson gets to make the choice. And then it's just a matter of negotiating with Ajax. And the Galaxy, they just paid $10 million transfer fee for Chicharito, and they've got to pay Pavone uh, if they want to keep him after the end of the season. So money is going to be an issue. But if the Galaxy can somehow cut some sort of a deal, I think Edson Alvarez would love to come play with Jonathan Dos Santos, with Chicharito. You know those guys are on the phone talking to him and play for Dennis to close. It probably feels like he owes Dennis something anyways. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is. And and as we've seen, you know, certainly with Christian Pavone in just a short amount of time that he's been with the LA Galaxy, he has already raised his stock internationally. Um, that is that he wasn't playing at Boca Juniors and now he's playing and he's ripping off goals in the preseason that, you know, everybody's saying that could be goal of the year. He has a great strike in the first uh, game of the season. He's raising his profile. His time with the LA Galaxy is limited, even if they decide to go out and buy him. Uh, and Guillermo has sort of said that it looks like that's true, uh, that the LA Galaxy will have to make a decision, I think, by July 1st. So by June 30th, have to make that decision on whether they do. And if you're the LA Galaxy and he's playing as well as he does, you, you write the check and then you uh, then you can keep him for about a year. And then you probably decide that you want to move him and you're going to see who's going to pay you 30, 40, 50 million dollars, you know, for for Christian Pavone. That's a, obviously those that's a lot of money. I'm not sure it'll actually come to that, but uh, he, he's not a long term hold. You're going to you're going to flip him. That's a flip uh and so uh that's that's sort of where the la galaxy sit on that and so if you're edson alvarez saying hey listen these guys are are having a high profile i can still make a lot of money there um you know that type of thing it, it could work and like you said the relationship with dennis Closo makes 100 percent sense so uh this is one to watch doesn't look like this is happening anytime soon this seems like a summer transfer if it is a summer transfer and how the la galaxy fit that into the salary cap is anybody's guess uh he's not in he doesn't even fit into the league's rule for next year which is the under 22 rule um, which would be transfer fee basically are exempt from the salary cap but the player's salary is still uh, hits the salary cap uh, he wouldn't make that because he'd be too old by the time that comes around so it's it's one of those things we'll watch and see if there's any sort of validity to it and whether or not the LA Galaxy can pull a a good deal uh, with Ajax and, and get him onto the team so something to watch but if you're a Galaxy fan you like you like to hear your team involved in Alan Franco and Jurgen Dom and Edson Alvarez young Latin American players difference makers good players players. Um, you like to hear your name involved in that. The last thing you want is, hey, Jurgen Dom wants to come to MLS, and here are the teams that he's not going to, and okay. one is the Galaxy. Right. No, no, no. It's, it's, I don't know. There's a little bit of fatigue from all of that because it seems constant sometimes, but you're right. You'd rather your team be mentioned than not be mentioned. Uh, and I think LA Galaxy fans like to hear this. And uh, Edson Alvarez, at 22 years old, uh, a good young player, uh, a defender, and like you said, can sort of play in the central midfield as well. Um, that would be a good depth piece in terms of you get him, slide somebody else out. Uh, um, you know, and now all of a sudden you have backups in multiple positions and you can sort of play different styles, um, add some flexibility, all these things. So oh, if he comes, he's starting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a starter. Yeah. I, I didn't mean that he was a depth. It, no. Him being brought in creates depth. Yeah, let's um, put Edson Alvarez on Galaxy 2. No, yeah. That's not going <laughs> to happen. It's going to play for Landon and San Diego Loyal. Very well. It's going to be a loan deal. Galaxy, get him, loan him down. Uh, that's how it works. So anyway, uh, that's sort of where we sit. The LA Galaxy preparing for their game against Vancouver Whitecaps coming up on Saturday. Uh, that is the home opener. I will be there. I think Kevin will be there. Uh, we still have a live show coming up on Thursday. That'll be 7 p.m. Uh, Eric, the Portuguese hammer, back in the studio with us on Thursday night. So we'll get you all prepared, and I'm sure he'll have a dramatic intro. If he survives. Yeah, if he survives. If David Bingham doesn't find him first. Uh, yeah, if he's 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun one. Anyway, that's the guy who wears gloves to work. That's the guy who, wear, who he wears gloves to work. So he does, Eric should really watch out. He should watch out. You know, the only thing is like you know if you insult a lineman on the uh, on the offensive line uh, for for some NFL team, that would be one of those things. Those guys are usually teddy bears, but they could probably kill you if they wanted to. All right, uh, let's see. Anything else, Kevin? You good? No, I'm good. Okay, good. I so just, to speak. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just wanted to check, make sure you're set. All Super right. Tuesday, go vote. Yeah, go absolutely go vote. Listen to our podcast on the way there do that fun stuff so all right, all right if you're looking for mr kevin baxter on twitter it's at k baxter 11 and please head on over to latimes.com for all of kevin's wonderful coverage uh covering soccer in southern california he was with the la galaxy in houston you can read all about his game coverage there at latimes.com all right if you're looking for me on twitter it's at jgesman j-g-u-e-s-m-a-n and of course at galaxy podcast and please head on over to corner of the galaxy where our shirt is up there our top 50 shirt for sale and of course any of our stickers are for sale there as well all right i think that about does it the la galaxy take on the vancouver whitecaps coming up on saturday we'll get you all ready for that on thursday all right for mr kevin baxter the panda i'm josh Gesman pato you've been listening to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.